Hello and welcome to the very final episode of this season of Masala Takes. In this bittersweet finale, I am going to be sharing Reddit's most popular festive stories and I have a record number of stories for you today, so buckle in because it is about to get a lot of fun. As always, I will be sharing my unscripted and unfiltered Masala Take. Let's get started. to Masala Takes, where for the past four months I have been sharing my unfiltered take on stories from the internet and topic related to culture, identity, and community. For those of you who know me personally, or for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, you will know that I am coming to the end of an 18-month maternity leave. When I started this podcast, I truly had the intentions to never ever stop. I was going to be a podcaster and I knew to be successful, especially in this type of venture, consistency was the way to do it. So I set this amazing schedule for myself and I was like, I can do this when I'm in India. I can do this when I go back to work. Like this is something that I can really do and I can do it for myself and I can be really, really good at it. Unfortunately, life had slightly different plans for me. As my daughter started getting older, I recognized that it was going to be a lot harder to find quality time to do projects for myself. And I was really relying on my village. And I think the mom guilt really set in because I was feeling like a real burden to the people around me. And people around me, including family, was telling me like, stop the podcast. It's too much. You should stop the podcast. And it made me feel kind of like a failure. Like, you know, I was taking all this time and burdening people for this little silly project that was going anywhere. So I had come to this internal decision that, you know what, I am going to go back to work. I'm not going to have that much time. I have a toddler. I have to recognize that I have different priorities now. So I, I came to a mental decision that I was going to quit all of my personal projects. So I wrapped up my final painting and I had written the script for today's podcast, the final podcast. And I was like, okay, I am going to wrap everything up, tie it with a bow, enjoy a nice, beautiful, quiet Christmas with my baby in our beautiful condo with our gorgeous Christmas tree and just wind down and, you know, gear up for work and everything that's coming in the next phase of life. Well, life had different plans for me. A couple of weeks ago, just after I finished and wrapped up my final painting that I was working on, I accidentally set my house on fire. I set my kitchen on fire. It was such a quick moment. It happened in a moment of distraction. And it could have been a lot worse and all of us are okay. But unfortunately, I lost my entire kitchen and a lot of my belongings. And I had to move back in with my parents. And a lot of the plans I had for the last couple of weeks of mat leave didn't really materialize. I also ended up with a to-do list that was longer than I ever imagined because in addition to everything else I had to do before I started work, I also had to deal with insurance and figure out my life and my next steps and what's going on with my kitchen, which has just been so much work. With my podcast mic, my light, my setup, all of that being a part of some of the casualties of the fire, unfortunately, I couldn't even record my final podcast episode. And to be honest, this has been eating away at me. I know I have so much to do and I know I'm so busy, but this was kind of like one final hurrah and something that I really wanted to do for myself. So I am so excited to be here and I am so excited to be recording this podcast episode for all of you. While this podcast was short-lived, it is something I am truly so proud of. I put so much thought into everything from the branding, the content, the flow, the sound quality, literally everything, and I'm so proud of how it turned out. So in my short 14-episode stint, I had over 500 listens on all the listening channels like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I had over a 1,000 views on YouTube and almost 100 hours of watch time on YouTube. This is beyond anything I ever imagined. And I know that if I continue to keep this up, this could be really big because this was a good one. I truly believe that. And I am so, so grateful. I cannot even tell you how grateful I am for the small little community of you who have supported me through this project, who have encouraged me, who continue to encourage me to step out of my shell and to do things and to put myself out there. It means so much to have all of you here on this little journey with me and thank you so much for supporting this little tiny project and making a girl's mat leave even more special. So today I've been really ambitious. I usually have four to five stories on these Reddit story episodes but today I have found 10 stories for you. So we have so many different topics we're going to be talking about. It's all about Christmas drama, Christmas cheer, holiday magic, all of the good stuff and 
I know that I don't have my beautiful Christmas tree in the background because it was written off in the fire, but I hope my Christmas sweater is enough Christmas cheer for those of you who are watching. And let us get started. Story number one. Am I the a-hole for telling my parents that they ruined New Year's celebration after they kicked my husband out over a joke? I've been married to my second husband, Mike, for four years now. He's a jokester and he loves to crack jokes all the time. He especially likes to joke with my brother, Ethan, and his wife. Ethan used to be okay with it until he started complaining about Mike taking it too far with his jokes. Some context about Ethan. He and his wife couldn't have kids, so they adopted a boy, Joey, two years ago. Mike has been making silly, lighthearted jokes that involve Joey's bio parents as a way to mess with Ethan and his wife. What? This doesn't sound like a joke at all. I've already talked to Mike, and I can tell you that he 100% means no harm, and he's just trying to get them to react. So fast forward to New Year's Eve. My parents hosted a big celebratory dinner, and Ethan and his wife came. While we were eating dinner, Mike decided to tell a knock-knock joke to Ethan. He said, knock-knock. Ethan laughed and said, who's there? Mike replied, Joey's bio parents, and then he burst out laughing. Silence took over, and Ethan's facial expressions changed. His wife called Mike an idiot, to which Mike replied with, hey, relax, it was just a joke. An argument ensued and dinner was paused. My parents suddenly told Mike to leave, which I thought was too harsh. I tried to speak with them and get them to calm down, but mom insisted that Mike leave. We left and Mike was complaining the whole time about how they overreacted. I called mom later and she told me Mike was out of line with his hurtful jokes about this touchy topic and told me that I was wrong for defending him and saying that he was just joking. She said he ruined New Year's for the whole family, but I told her that it was her and dad who ruined New Year's for escalating the situation and kicking him out. Oh my god, Mike is a terrible person. And if Mike is telling a joke with the intention to rile somebody up and get a reaction, I don't understand what makes that a joke. That actually sounds like some sort of sadistic game to hurt somebody and you're supporting this and making this seem like it's a funny joke. I don't understand what was funny about that knock-knock joke. And the last time I read the description of what a joke is, it's supposed to be funny. And if it doesn't make people laugh, it's probably not funny. And if it hurts people, you probably have to apologize. Like, it's easy for a joke to get out of hand and for you to hurt people. But if you know there's a touchy topic or if you said something and someone else took it in a wrong way, just apologize. And the fact that Mike isn't apologizing and this wife is backing him up and doubling down to be like Mike is the one in the right, that's totally wild. In fact, I will say in the story, I am really proud of Ethan and this girl's parents to be like, hey, get Mike out of the party, kick him out. I think that is the exact right response and I'm glad they didn't just blindly support him or al allow the awkwardness to continue just because Mike is now family. And here is a strategy that you can use and I've actually used this before, it works pretty well, is when someone tells you a joke, a joke, I will put it in quotations, that is not funny or that is offensive or they're branding something hurtful as something amusing, just ask them to explain the joke to you. Just say, can you please explain what's funny about that joke because I don't really get it. And that goes two ways. Either they start explaining and they just look really dumb or they have to back down because they know what they're doing is just hurtful. And what Mike is doing is straight up hurtful. And the fact that he did this at the party in front of everybody else, and I don't know if Joey was there, the, the adopted child, but Joey was probably at this party. And to have to keep hearing this as an adopted child, like, I don't know what that's psychologically doing to them. So I think, in fact, not just the parents, I think Ethan and his wife and Joey need to cut out the sister and brother-in-law for good until. The brother-in-law can apologize and he can commit to not making those kind of statements in front of their adopted son. Like, what a bizarre thing to do. Next story. Am I the a-hole for bringing up my brother's premature birth at Christmas dinner to get my parents to shut up? I am a nurse practitioner and I am the primary care provider for a lot of the low-risk maternity cases at the practice where I work. I also work hand-in-hand -hand with the doctors and midwives to create a healthy maternity, birth, and postpartum situation. My fiancé is completing her residency. We live together and have for a few years now. We aren't in any hurry to get married. We originally had plans to do so in a couple of years, but then we got really busy for two years. It is driving my very religious parents crazy that their youngest son is living in sin. I don't really care. I'm an adult and I do what I want. Yes, you do that. We are getting married in June. So we're visiting my parents for Christmas, and the way it came together this year is that everyone is at my parents' house. So that's my folks 
my three siblings, myself, my fiancé, and seven grandchildren, so 17 people in all. At dinner, my mom starts going on and on about how she is so glad that we are finally getting married and she won't be embarrassed at church anymore. And my dad says how proud he is of his three older kids who all either waited to get married before moving in together or got married right away after moving in together. My fiancé was getting embarrassed and I was getting mad over the stupid argument we've had way too many times. And a family dinner was the last straw. I have asked them repeatedly to just accept that they cannot control how I live my life. I refuse to stay with them when I visit, even when I come alone. Hotels are just easier. So I started talking about a premature baby I had been reading about. It was almost three months premature and weighed about 1.6 pounds. It was super strong and healthy for being born so little, and the NICU had high hopes for the baby doing well. My mom and dad both got a deer in headlights look on their faces. Too bad. Should not have messed around with my fiancé's feelings. So I asked about my older brother. He was born almost four months premature. Is there a chance that we could check out the family album where we keep all the records for family births and stuff? I already know my brother was just over 9 pounds and almost 23 inches long when he was born. My grandmother told me all about it the first time my parents tried to shame me. The subject gets changed very fast. After supper, my parents told me that I should not try to embarrass them with private things that are not my concern. Oh, so this is not their concern, but his life is their concern? Okay, double standard. I told them that if I heard anything about my living arrangements ever again for the rest of my life, I would make sure to keep bringing up the fact that my mom was in her second trimester when they got married. My parents are mad at me for telling them how to behave in their own home, but my fiancé is happy and they seem to be off the subject for good. Am I the a-hole? I absolutely love this response so much and I feel like the people who are the most judgmental are the people who are the most insecure or the people who have the most to hide and this is so true in this case like I actually have to applaud this guy for not just standing up for himself but standing up for his fiance and doing so over many years. I think that the subject is going to be dropped for good and it was the absolute perfect response. So there was a funny comment here that I thought I would share. It says, not the a-hole. I absolutely love this. My own judgy grandmother pretended to be oh so moral in the old-fashioned sense. My father accidentally revealed that she was pregnant when she got married to my grandfather. That was incorrect. She wasn't pregnant at all. My oldest uncle was about seven months old when they got married. And why couldn't they get married sooner? My grandfather had to get divorced from his first wife first. It's often the people with the most things to hide who enjoy judging others for things that are none of their business. I agree. And I feel like this mature guy was probably going to just let his whole parent situation drop if they weren't being so judgy towards him and his partner. Next story. Am I the a-hole for getting up from my chair in the middle of Christmas dinner and shouting shut the F up about my body in response to my husband's observation? So ever since I had my son months ago, my husband has been making indirect comments about my body. Months? Fam, it takes like years to get over childbirth. It is the biggest thing to happen to your body ever. And the whole bounce back culture in general is so toxic. Let's keep reading. He never says any hurtful words, but I find his observations, as he calls it, hurtful. For example, he'd see me wearing an old top and say, oh, that top used to look good on you, but not anymore though. That kind of sounds like hurtful words. Or when he looks at my waist and says, wow, I didn't know your waist could get this wide. Basically passive stuff that I tried to ignore till it extended to friends and family. None of this is passive. None of this is passive. FYI, this went on for months and months and months. We went to Christmas celebration at his family's house. My sister-in-law complimented my floral maxi dress and my husband said, I agree, it looks nice on you, though I have to admit that your waist could get smaller than this. Awkward silence took over. I was absolutely fuming and this was my last straw. So I got up from my chair in the middle of dinner and shouted at the top of my lungs, shut the F up about my body. He was absolutely speechless as his family stared while some others tried to get me to calm down. But the situation got more tense and dinner ended up being cut short and my husband stormed off to his friend's place to spend the night. Upon leaving a very nasty text saying I embarrassed him and made a scene over an observation. He called me childish and told me to get therapy for my insecurities instead of verbally abusing him and scarring his family. Now I feel like an absolute a-hole and like I ruined Christmas for him and everybody over my oversensitivity. Am I the a-hole? 
The fact that she stood up on the chair and screamed that in front of everyone means that she must have been enduring so much and this was probably just the bubbling point. Like, I don't think she would have done that if that was the first comment that her husband ever made about her body and it caught her off guard. This is obviously something that has been bubbling, like she said, over months and months and months. And as someone who recently just finished the first year postpartum, that period of life is so hard and I literally would look in the mirror and not recognize who I was and not recognize my priorities and it's like you have this whole new version of you and you're trying to figure yourself out again and while you're doing that there's so much pressure from the outside world for you to bounce back for you to be this amazing mom for you to accomplish great things and there's so much guilt and shame and everything that goes with that period of life and to be honest, I have some pretty strong genetics and I lost a lot of my baby weight within the first couple of months after I had the baby. And that's all that people could comment on. And I know that those comments were meant in a positive way and in a good way, but I have so many friends that are going through postpartum with me and those comments honestly just made me feel uncomfortable. So if you see a mom and you want to make a comment about how good she looks, here are some words you can use. You can say things like, you know, motherhood looks beautiful on you. You can say you're absolutely glowing. You can say so many things that make a woman feel good about who they are on the inside without having to make a comment about their body. And I feel like the fact that the husband had been making these comments in front of people over time, it's not just sensitive, but it's crazy hurtful to this person, to this human that gave birth to your son. So the husband needs to grow up and I do agree with one thing the husband says. I think that, you know what, the wife would benefit from therapy. She should feel the love for herself that she had before. And I cannot imagine that having this useless waste of a husband insulting her for one year is making her feel good about herself. So she should do whatever it takes to feel the love for herself that she truly deserves after going through probably one of the most challenging hormonal changes that she will ever go through in her life. The top comment here has 90,000 upvotes. Like these are really popular posts I'm sharing today. And I think there's a perspective worth sharing. It says, I think the last thing your husband really wants is for you to get therapy. If you do, you will discover that he is an emotionally abusive bully and stop feeling guilty for refusing to put up with his BS. Not the a-hole, but your husband is. Do as he recommended. Get therapy so you can regain your self-confidence he has eroded with his cruel observations. And that reminded me of something I wanted to say here. The whole idea of observations to say something cruel, they're not observations, they're insults. And by calling them observations, you're actually kind of gaslighting and patronizing the other person. So it's not nice to call them observations. Just like in the previous story, it was not nice to call an insult a joke. Just because you are rebranding your insults doesn't mean that that branding is working. So let us move on to the next story. Story number four, am I the a-hole for how I fought my boyfriend's medical bill going too far in quotations? My boyfriend had to go to the ER after an accident and he got a truly ridiculous bill back. I offered to fight the bill for him because I've done it before and he said sure. I went all out because honestly we were out five grand after insurance and that would really mess up our holiday plans so I... 1. Had him call the hospital and authorize me to handle his bill and access his medical records. 2. Got him itemized bill and compared the prices for each code to the fair prices. 3. Called billing to dispute the bill, but was told that billing only collects bills. I would need to contact admin to dispute. 4. Bounced around a call center for hours trying to get someone who was actually qualified for bill disputes and getting nowhere. 5. Google and LinkedIn searches for the hospital board of directors and upper management. 6. Got 30 emails of the most influential people at the hospital plus the hospital's investors. 7. Every day would send a few emails, working my way up the chain and writing an increasingly long email describing how they billed my client at 7 times over the fair price for services rendered, and how their billing department, customer service department, and the growing list of management I'd emailed had failed to address the issue. And finally, I escalated the emails until I was writing to the director-level staff with the entire board of directors and a number of outside investors CC'd, asking for a written statement regarding their justification for billing a rate seven times higher than the national average, for consumer services to what is available at other hospitals, and sternly laying out the failures to appropriately respond at every level of the company. Well, once I had done all of that, which was honestly only like 15 minutes a day, they reduced the bill from $5,000 to $26. Yep, 26 effing dollars. 
Well, I told my boyfriend the good news and at first he was overjoyed and blown away, like literally jumping up and down and hugging me and saying I was literally a Christmas miracle. Because you are a Christmas miracle, that is amazing. But then he asked how I did it. I said it wasn't too hard, I just had to send a couple of emails each day. He was curious what I'd send and I handed him my phone. He started to get stressed and flipping back and forth through other emails, which there were like 60 of. He told me I went way too far. He was expecting me to dispute through their billing department or something normal and reasonable, but not internet stalk every single manager and board member and investor and harass them into dropping the bill. I was frustrated because I just saved us five grand, actually made it possible for us to afford a nice Christmas and save some money. And he was mad at me because I'd been a bit of a hard ass. I was furious and he was so mad at me saying he authorized me to dispute a bill, not threaten and harass a whole hospital for weeks. Am I the a-hole for how I got my boyfriend's medical bills dropped? Oh my goodness, I think you're kind of a rock star. This is an impressive, impressive feat. And I am surprised this is like the first or second time you've done this because I feel like you should be doing this for everyone. Like a $5,000 bill is not even that high when I look at the stories I've seen on TikTok and Instagram about people in the States who have these exorbitant crippling bills that literally cause them to have debt for generations. Like hospital bills can completely ruin you if you're in the States or in a place where you're not covered by insurance. So it is kind of amazing that you were able to do this and I wish that there were resources and people like you who are willing to shake up the system because I bet if that director the board of directors and their investors were getting emails like this every single day they may have to shake up their billing processes like I think this is actually pretty amazing and I think your boyfriend is crazy for not being truly thrilled about this the top comment says, your boyfriend is so un unappreciative and clearly clueless on how diligent you need to be to challenge an erroneous bill. When the hospital, doctors, and insurance companies are unwilling to help you resolve their errors, what else are you supposed to do? So many people either quit or pay the bill or go into debt. Tell your boyfriend this is the only Christmas gift you're giving him. Clearly not the a-hole. Would you consider doing this professionally? The response from OP was, my blood pressure would hate me. And without affordable medical care in this country, I'm not sure about that. Honestly, dealing with the medical system infuriates me. And it was so disingenuous at every step. Every single person told me I needed to speak to billing, despite it being a glorified collections office. And the employees, they're not even being able to see anything but my balance. Yeah, like, I feel like this boyfriend is upset maybe he has a history of people pleasing and he's annoyed that you like burnt bridges with a bunch of randoms but honestly they probably don't even care I think it's really important to challenge people in authority people in leadership roles people in insurance people in the board of directors investors people who have a say on things that affect civilians the day-to-day -day population that can ruin lives these people need to be held accountable and yeah this was just over five thousand dollars i'm sure they're getting emails like this all the time but i would love for people to challenge this group of people more and take the level of detail oriented stalking that this person did truly amazing and we should see more of it Story number five, we're just powering through them today. Am I the a-hole for jumping out of the bathroom window to avoid my mom's attempt at forcing a reunion between me and my ex-fiance? Why does this already sound like a movie I just watched on Amazon Prime? <laughs> Some backstory. I had been dating my ex-fiance Sarah for four years. We had been planning to get married in November of 2020, but I found out at the start of this month that she cheated on me. She begged me to give her another chance, but I broke it off. The problem was that being cheated on is, in my mind, completely emasculating and humiliating. So I never told anyone that was the reason we broke up. For obvious reasons, Sarah also didn't tell people we broke up because she cheated. So people have blamed me for the breakup, including my mom. They just see that I dumped her out of the blue. I have gone very strict no contact with Sarah after I discovered that she was cheating on me. Sarah has been talking with my mom and convinced her that if we could talk one more time, that we would be able to reconcile. My mom has been applying hardcore pressure on me to talk to Sarah, but I've explained that there's no chance we will ever get back together. So tonight I go over to my mom's place because she's hosting family for the Christmas Eve. I'm there for a bit talking with my aunts and uncles and cousins when the doorbell rings and I see that it's Sarah. I ask what is going on and my mom says that she invited Sarah so we could work on this in the spirit of the holidays. I'm angry now because the only way to explain my side of the story is to tell everyone that I was cheated on. Complete humiliation in front of my whole family. I actually think it would be Sarah who would be humiliated, not you. 
So as my mom goes to the front door, I go to the bathroom. My mom starts knocking on the door saying that I need to come out and talk to my ex like an adult. I say, F it, kick out the window screen, get in my car and go home. My mom called a short while ago saying that she's cutting ties with me over my behavior. She is really fixated on me jumping out of a window and that Sarah will always be like a child to her. My sister called me after to read me out for ruining Christmas. I broke down and told her that Sarah cheated on me, which is why I dumped her and that I didn't want to see her under any circumstance. She called me a big a-hole who was lying to cover for myself. Am I really in the wrong? I don't think I don't think you're in the wrong at all. I think it's so crazy that your mom felt that she had the entitlement to meddle in your affairs like that. Like I think as adults we should be able to go to our parents and say I'm staying in a relationship, I'm breaking up and have our parents just respect the decision that we made. Like, I've seen this happen so much in Desi communities too when it comes to things like divorce and separation or even just Xing out family members, right? It's so unseen of to X people out and to cut people out of your lives that whenever people say, oh, I'm not talking to my brother anymore, I see people who have no idea what the situation is, who are not a part of the internal works of this conversation to be like, oh, he's family, you should work it out. Or it's your husband, you have a child together, you should work it out. And the reality is that nobody knows what's going on inside a relationship unless they are inside that relationship. And in this instance, Sarah cheated. And that was a big enough red flag for this guy to be like, okay, this relationship is never going to work. You hurt me. This is something I'm not willing to deal with. And he didn't have to reveal that. I actually don't think at all that revealing that your partner cheated on you is like emasculating in any way at all. I think it only looks bad on your partner. It does not look bad on you at all. But that's also not up to me to decide. If you feel that whatever happened for your relationship to break or for your relationship to work is a personal thing, you have a right to keep it personal because that is your life and your relationship and nobody else should be meddling. So I think what this guy did by, you know, exiting stage left out of that Christmas dinner was the exact right thing to do. And I think that it's so sad that he told his sister what happened, which was probably very vulnerable for him. And his sister was just like, oh, you're just lying or you're the one who ruined Christmas. Like that's such a terrible thing to do when clearly your brother is going through something and didn't have the support of this family. And in fact, he was kind of blindsided by his mom. Like everyone should be mad at the mom in the situation for pushing so hard to get this relationship to work. And also Sarah, because Sarah knows, like Sarah obviously is regretting the decision to cheat, but she cheated and she has to face the consequences now. And the consequences are that this relationship doesn't exist anymore. And I also find, especially with like Desi families, I know this family probably isn't Desi, but with Desi families, people also feel that entitlement to know the inner workings of a person's relationship or they believe they know the inner workings of a person's relationship. I've been in instances where I've cut people off and made hard decisions about people that I have close relations with. And I've heard so many comments like, oh, I know what that person is like, and you're probably just being oversensitive, and it's probably you, and you need to be more accommodating, and you need to be more gentle, and this is family, and you know, all the excuses under the book to push their opinion on a decision that I have already made to either keep a family member in my life or not in my life or whatever I choose to do. I feel like what we should be doing is when we have adults in our life, whether it's our children or whether it's our friends or whether it's our family members, we have to respect that as adults, they are entitled to make their own adult decisions for their own life. And what we should do is we should just respect the fact that they made those decisions. We might not agree with them. We might not like them. We might not understand the decisions that they are making, but they made those decisions and they can face the consequences of their own decisions. So yeah, this is just like a case of a real meddler of a mom and a meddler of a sister and a poor guy who was just caught in a bad relationship and a bad family. So I actually disagree with the third top comment here, but it had 10,000 upvotes, so I thought I would share it. It says, everybody sucks here. Buddy, I can understand why you did what you did, but when your mom started applying pressure for you to talk with your ex, you should have swallowed your pride and told her what happened. Yeah, it's humiliating and all, but sometimes you just gotta man up and own it. As for not wanting to get back with your ex, I totally agree with you, and I don't think you two should get back together because the trust will never be the same. Yeah, I don't think he owes anybody an explanation. Next story. Story number six. Am I the a-hole for giving my mother-in-law a fake copy of my house key and exposing her at Christmas dinner? 
I want to preface this by saying that I, female 34, married my husband, male 37, a year ago. His mom is snoopy and annoying AF. She can't help it. That's just how she is, as my dear in-law say. My husband and I purchased a new house recently. My mother-in-law kept pushing to get an emergency key. She promised that she would only use it in an emergency, but given the fact that she had an emergency key to our old apartment and walked in on us being intimate twice, my husband didn't think it was a big deal. Ooh, and you married him? I just couldn't trust her. So after she kept pushing, I just sent her a fake key and she had a smug look on her face after I hand-delivered it to her. Days gone by and on Christmas dinner, mother-in-law angrily called me out on the fact that I gave her a fake copy of the house key. She shamed me for doing this in front of everyone. But in my defense, I asked her how she found out and she said that days ago, she came over at four while my husband and I were out. I reminded her, didn't you promise me that you wouldn't use it unless there was an emergency? So you tried to get in when there was no emergency and you broke the promise you made to us? She looked red in the face and the other family members started staring and some even laughed at her for the face that she made. She suddenly got up from her seat and rushed into the kitchen where she had a huge meltdown so loud that the next door neighbors must have heard. Literally, I have never seen a 60 plus year old woman throw a tantrum like that. Needless to say, dinner went awkward and my husband and his sister were giving me looks. My husband went off on me in the car and said I lied and manipulated and humiliated and exposed his mom and said that he wouldn't have let me get away with it had he known. We had an argument and he is demanding I apologize to his mom for my childish behavior and for ruining Christmas dinner for the whole family. Am I the a-hole? Oh my gosh. Um, if you have been following along on this podcast, you would have heard an episode I made on enmeshment and the Raja Beta syndrome. And this seems so much of that. It's crazy. Like this son is emotionally married to his mother. The fact that his mother walked in on him being intimate twice and he was like, I'm okay with that is beyond weird, beyond weird. And then, and the fact that he didn't set the boundaries on the key and it was up to this wife to do it. Honestly, what the wife did is something that's called a malicious compliance. Like, sure, I'll do what you want, but I might do it a little bit maliciously. And I think that the wife's move was actually perfect. And frankly, and frankly, the person who started this whole dinner fiasco was the mother-in-law. It was not the daughter-in-law. It was the mother-in-law who was like trying to shame the daughter-in-law into giving her the wrong key when the mother-in-law was the one who broke the promise and went in when there was no emergency, when they weren't even at home. That's like supremely snoopy, sketchy behavior. And I cannot believe that this husband is siding with the mom through all of this. I mean, honestly, like this girl has to recognize that this is just her life now. And I don't think the husband is ever going to realize until he gets some serious therapy to see that enmeshed behavior from the outside because he's got some real mommy issues. And yeah, I feel really bad for her. So there's actually a little update here. Um, it says that this went off unexpectedly and I thought I would show my husband some pretty helpful comments I found here minutes ago, but he got mad at me when he saw it and said I was nuts to talk about his family online. He demanded my phone so he could delete it, but I refused and I went upstairs and into the bedroom. I never have seen him so agitated and I didn't think he'd react like that honestly, but thank you guys for your support. It means so much. I'll, I'll update again if I can. Thanks again. Ooh, I want to see if there's another update. Okay, so there is no update, but this original poster did leave a bunch of comments. It says that when my mother-in-law walked in on us being intimate, he blamed me for not locking the bedroom door, which is something we never do. And the second time when she walked in on us making out in the living room, he said intimate stuff should happen in the bedroom just to be extra careful about people walking in, aka his mom, and saw no issue with her walking around the apartment like she lived there. Uh, one comment says, not the a-hole, but I would have never even given her a fake key. The OP said, I had no choice after she literally kept pushing me to give her a copy ASAP. She kept calling day and night. Oh my gosh, that is so pushy and so uncomfortable. And this husband needs to set some boundaries ASAP because this is like super unhealthy and scary behavior. I would be scared to give this woman the keys to my house if she was like that pushy and stalkerish. Story number seven, am I the a-hole for saying my babysitting rates are $35 an hour? I am a software engineer with a full-time job and a side hustle doing freelance coding work in my own time. I have always been the type to have a side hustle and I put a lot of my free time into. I get really bored sitting idle. My freelance hourly rates are $60 an hour and at my full-time job, my hourly pay works out to about $40 an hour. So that's how I value my time. 
Anyways, over Christmas vacation, I was staying at my parents' house. My cousin was also staying over with her three young kids from Christmas to New Year's. I'd been planning on doing some work on my freelance projects when I had some free time. In the mornings when my family had no plans. I wasn't in any rush. I was already ahead of schedule on them all, but I just didn't really have anything else to do. It was in a really rural, it was in a really rural area and it's like an hour drive to the nearest anything. Then my cousin and her husband asked if I could babysit all day for three days so that they could visit some friends in the area and hang out with just adults. I said I had planned on doing some freelance work at the library and then she offered to pay me to babysit. That seems fair. I said I could if they got close to my freelance rates. She wanted a number and although my freelance rates were $60, I didn't feel like that was right. I thought it was too high. Honestly, babysitting three kids would be harder for me than the routine coding work I had for my freelance project. I don't know a lot about kids and I've never babysat for long and I had a feeling it would be stressful and difficult. So I said $35 an hour, which is even below what I make hourly at work and with the bare minimum I'd value my time for. And she went crazy at me saying that is a ridiculous rate for babysitting and I was entitled and being selfish. Wait, who's the entitled one here? And that I'm trying to take advantage of how she didn't have any other options, etc. I said that is way below what I'd be making if I had the time to do my own work and I would be putting off my own work to babysit. Her husband got mad at me saying that I was a 24-year-old girl, that's so condescending, that I'm damn near a child myself and that my time is not worth that much and it is childish to say that it was and that I was a dumb girl for not knowing that babysitting costs like $15 an hour. When I grow up and have kids of my own, I will see how dumb I am being. I was kind of done with being called dumb so I just told them I hoped that they would find someone else. My mom thinks that I asked for something offensive and my cousin and her husband obviously did too. Am I the a for giving that number? I actually think that, well, first of all, I would not babysit someone's kids after they were that rude and condescending to me. And I think that these parents are so entitled to think that somebody would just watch their kids 24-7 for three days. And that to three kids, like, that is a really, really tough job. Like, that's a job where your babysitter needs, like, an interview because that is way too much work. And even if babysitting was at $15 an hour, wouldn't that be, like, per kid? So that's like at least $45 an hour. They probably know that. That's probably why they're trying to just use family. And what were they expecting to do? Like just pay her like $10 an hour when she clearly is a not a little dumb girl. She is a successful woman who probably makes more than both of those people for them to even assume that she was incapable of making that sort of money. Like clearly she's doing very well for herself. She had plans for herself. Her She has an idea of how she values her time and she doesn't have to babysit someone else's kids ever. Frankly, even if she could just say, hey, I'm uncomfortable or I've never done that before is a good enough excuse. So I think that there's a lot of entitlement all around and I feel bad for this OP that mom is also in on this. When I say OP, I'm talking about the original poster, but I think the next time that there is a family event, this OP should just book a hotel or not go at all because clearly... Because they clearly don't treat her very well. They're patronizing her. They talk down to her, but they also want her to do an adult's job for three days. I don't know. This family doesn't seem worth it. Maybe it's like a just see for a day on the holidays kind of family. Story number eight. Am I the a-hole for replacing myself with my twin brother at my in-law's Christmas Eve party to see if anyone noticed? I'm 31 and I have an identical twin brother. For a while, I've told my wife that none of her family members notice me or care about anything I do on Christmas Eve, but they insist on me attending. She told me that's not true. They genuinely like me and they enjoy talking to me. But I know that the only times they've included me, I've basically had to insert myself into conversations and it feels super awkward and unnatural. So I had a wager with my wife. Bring my twin brother Steve instead of me and see if anyone notices. I purposefully didn't even prep Steve on anything. He went in completely clueless. He knew why we were doing it and was game and I gave him 20 bucks. As I suspected, Steve confirmed that he was not approached all night. Nobody could tell he wasn't me and he admitted he even felt excluded and could only imagine how I felt. So this morning on Christmas, I invited Steve to join. Normally, he's with my mom and dad every year because he's not married or in a relationship. They know about him, obviously, but they didn't know about the switcheroo. That's when I revealed that last night I was Steve and expressed disappointment that nobody noticed and said this is why I stopped trying. Nobody talks to me. My wife drew the line here. She was hoping to keep this between the two of us as a funny prank. But how can I expect her family to see what jerks they've been if I don't expose it? For what it's worth, Steve was fine. 
Honestly, it really sucks that your wife's family treats you this way. And if the switcheroo, like the goal of the switcheroo was to make sure that your wife saw that, I feel like that was already addressed. And the way I would have handled it after that point is I would have told my wife to talk to my wife's family, probably outside of Christmas Day, to be like, hey, the way that you're treating my husband is unacceptable. And she could reveal it or she could choose not to, but it's up to the wife to kind of take it from there. I think by bringing it up on Christmas morning was probably not the right idea and like calling Steve and making a thing out of it. Like honestly, if you were so upset and your wife clearly saw what happened, an option would have been to just skip the whole Christmas family bonanza if you were feeling disrespected and then let your wife do the explaining afterwards. But to like show up and make a statement about it, it kind of feels like, you know, maybe you were starting a little drama. Though that being said, I completely understand why you do it. And I completely understand that like, inner burning fire inside of you to want to call people out on what they're doing because like obviously I faced this I'm sure everybody who's listening to this have faced this but they have had people disrespect them or treat them badly and I think the first thing we kind of want to do is be like I want to confront them or tell them about it and they should know or people should know right especially for those of us not me particularly but some of us who are more confrontational and I think that it doesn't always accomplish what people are setting out to accomplish because people who are really set in their ways, I don't know if they're really going to change. One of the top comments here says, everybody sucks here. Well done though. If they were merely indifferent to you before, they surely hate you now. Nobody likes to feel like they've been made a fool of and they are unlikely to see themselves as a-hole. Nobody likes to feel like they have been made a fool of and they are unlikely to see themselves as a-holes, though they clearly are. But they'll certainly view you as one. What was your response? What was their response to this little revelation? And the original poster responded and said, they shook their head and told me that I was being dramatic. That's the exact response I would expect from somebody who has been casually ignoring their daughter's husband for this many Christmases. So I'm not surprised at all. And I feel like this response of like, you're just being dramatic is why the OP's decision to make this huge thing on Christmas morning, probably not worth it. Next story. Am I the a-hole for throwing away the elf on the shelf and ruining Christmas for my kids after my husband's prank? Oh, you threw away the elf on the shelf? Isn't that supposed to be like a magical moment for the kids? Okay, let's see the story before I make a decision. For context, this year was the first time that we would try the elf on the shelf with our kids. We have three kids, Lucas 9, Andy 8, and Claire 5. Where Lucas and Andy are from past relationships. However, Miles, my husband, male 37, has accepted Andy as his, and so did I, F35, with Lucas. Every Christmas is special for Andy, as his birthday is on December 24th. His dad started a tradition where Santa picked him to be a kid of Christmas, so he feels magical and special, and I always try to give him that. Last year, I left Santa Claus footsteps, ate a carrot, and grass he left for Rudolph, stuff like that. My husband doesn't think it's a good idea that I do all of that for him, and I'm showing favoritism. So we would shut it down because of my ex's decision to create a tradition without considering my other kids' feelings. I disagree, since I do consider all three of them. But he asked if we could do something else, like the elf on the shelf. I had no problem with it, but I didn't know how that works. He explained to me quickly, and since he was the one who offered, I let him do it. We bought the cute elf, and my kids named it Bob. Later, my husband explained that they should behave and they should never touch or hold Bob if they don't want Bob to be naughty. At first, it was cute to see them spy on Bob to try to see it fly each night. Andy was the most excited of them all. I found him one night talking with it, asking if Santa still remembered him. That's so cute. But my husband took seriously the behave or Bob would be naughty part. Lucas was his first victim after he didn't do his chores. The next day, his face was drawn with Sharpie markers. Then Claire, who touched Bob and her favorite onesie was destroyed. Apparently, Bob had cut some pieces off of it while she was sleeping. Miles was having fun, but I could see that my kids weren't. I talked to him about how we should lower the pranks. He agreed, but he wanted to catch Andy since he didn't break any rules yet. I told him that Bob's supposed to tell Santa instead of being naughty. We argued, but he finally agreed. Fast forward, it's Christmas Eve and... And in the afternoon, we had some of Andy's friends over to celebrate his birthday. So the kids were playing in the backyard. But my husband looked sus. I decided to look for Bob. It was supposed to be in the kitchen, but it wasn't there. I asked Miles where it was, and he told me he had no idea. I started getting paranoid, but Andy asked me if we could cut the cake already. I put my best face on and went for it. The cake was in a box, and when Andy opened the box, he started crying. I take a look, and it's ruined. 
Bob was covered in all of it, appearing that he had eaten the cake. Half of the cake wasn't there anymore. Miles started laughing and so did some of the other parents. Oh my gosh, the other parents too? My blood is boiling and I grab Bob and throw him in the trash. We have a terrible argument. He called me an a-hole for what I did to Bob, that I've ruined it, and how we are supposed to keep the magic with our kids. Oh my gosh, mom, you are not the a-hole at all. This dad is like straight up bullying the kids. And I'm pretty sure the elf on the shelf is supposed to be like Santa's magical, you know, reporter who flies around the house and ends up in different mischief and it's supposed to be fun and games and lighthearted and the elf reports to Santa if the kids are being naughty. So it's kind of like an extra reason for the kids to be good on December. That's kind of what I thought the elf on the shelf was. And it is a lot of work to move that elf around every day, but the magic it creates in the kids is so beautiful. And I feel like this dad is legit using the elf as a vehicle to bully his children and he's getting a satisfaction out of it. Like, this is like some divorce worthy material for this dad to be getting so much satisfaction out of bullying your children. Like, I would be protecting my children at all costs. This is so toxic and so scary. And it actually feels like hazing. Like, I don't know if you know what hazing is, but when people, you know, join new schools, I think this happens a lot in India from like Three Idiots and other movies I've seen. Um, but when people join a new school or start a new year at a undergrad university or they're trying to join a, you know, a frat house or whatever it's called in the States, they create these like hazing rituals to basically bully these kids to be like, you have to earn your spot in the school or you have to earn your spot in Delta Phi, whatever, right? So in order to earn the spot, they make these kids do like terrible things. These the older kids that are basically bullying the younger kids into doing these terrible things as like a rite of passage to be like, oh, you've earned it. And I remember reading the story not too long ago about this kid in the States. He was a black kid and this is relevant, but he was so desperate to join this, I don't think it's called a frat house. I don't know what it's called, but like one of these Delta Phi whatever groups in the university because it would open up a lot of doors because if you're affiliated with these groups you kind of get all these connections and you're affiliated with all of these people who are in the group and alumni of the group like it could be a game-changing thing for your career so there was this black kid who was very desperate to join one of these groups because he came from you know a lower middle class income and he just wanted to open doors for himself and he was hazed so badly that he died like they made him drink too much he had alcohol poisoning they left him out in the cold he was dehydrated they were not letting him like eat food like there was like so many things that they did for him to earn his spot that he died and what this dad is doing is hazing he's bullying and I think any version of it whether it's at an undergrad level whether you're doing it to your friend whether it's all in good fun if the other person is not having fun if they are hurt by this it's straight up bullying and it could be very dangerous either literally to their life Or it could be just dangerous to their emotional psyche. Like imagine these kids who have all their friends have Elf on the Shelf and their Elf on the Shelf is like, you know, frozen in an ice cube and their parents have set up a little station so that they can break the ice cube and save the elf and Elsa was the one who did it and it's all magical and their elf is like ripping their clothes apart, their favorite outfits and making them cry. Like so sad and so terrible and so damaging and I don't like this at all. Um, this original poster actually had an edit and an update. So let me read that. It says, hi, everyone. The response has been really overwhelming. I'm sorry if it took me some time to answer. I was kind of avoiding the post since I was conflicted by the possible income. Since I was conflicted by the possible outcome, I was going through all of your comments so that I can answer some of your questions. And I'd also like to explain some things you all have doubts on in common. Number one, Andy's dad is from Canada. He visits Andy every spring, summer and on Christmas break. This year he stayed for his job, so he isn't an absent parent. Two, after Andy's birthday, I told Miles to get out of the house and he did. He spent Christmas with my in-laws. I stayed with the kids and all of them slept in Andy's room. My kids didn't want to leave his brother alone. That's so sweet. The next morning we opened the gifts and I made sure that Andy could feel special after what happened on his birthday. So I wrote a note from Bob saying that he was sorry if he scarred him and his siblings and he didn't do his job correctly. So now he would be flying to the North Pole with Santa. And when he asked if Santa still remembered the kid of Christmas, he said he did. Aw. Santa was really happy to see him. My kids and I are okay. We're sleeping at my parents' house and we would be celebrating New Year's Eve here too. And number four, yes, Claire was using the onesie while she was sleeping. My husband took the idea from TikTok and no, Andy did nothing to even be attacked by Bob. 
Oh my gosh. I am so glad that this wife has decided to protect her children and put her children first. I know how hard it is to do, especially around the holidays, but this these kids were being bullied and I'm glad that she was able to write that lesson, let the elf take accountability, even if it was the dad, and to keep the Christmas magic alive. So good on this mom for doing exactly what she should do by her kids. She is such a great mom. And clearly, the love that the other kid showed to Andy for his birthday and for the incident that happened shows that she clearly has a great influence on these kids, despite the fact that her husband is just a horrible, horrible person. And I think if I read this right, yeah, she actually kept all three kids, which means she kept his kid as well, which is like such a boss move. Good for her. All right, we got two more stories. So this is a long episode, but so packed. Am I the a-hole for calling my wife unreasonable for backing out of spending Christmas with my family after my mother rejected her cookie sample? I don't know why I read it like that. <laughs> Context. For every holiday, my mother would ask the woman in the family, my sister, sister-in-law, my wife, my female cousins, to send samples of the desserts they planned to bring for the celebration for testing to see if those desserts could make it to the food menu. My wife has been complaining about my mother deliberately rejecting every dessert sample she has ever sent. So many times my mother has told her that she's just being honest and keeping the guest's best interest at heart. Yet my wife still thought that my mother is deliberately excluding her since two of her dessert samples were rejected before. For this year's Christmas, my mother is doing the same thing, but this time she told every woman who are participating to make a cookie sample and to send it to her for testing. My wife took it as a challenge, and to be honest, she worked really hard to make a good sample to send it to my mother days ago, and the results just came in yesterday. I came home from work and found my wife really upset. I asked her what's wrong, and she told me that my mother rejected the sample she sent and decided to exclude her baking from the food list menu for Christmas this year. I didn't know what to say, but she then told me that she was backing out of the invitation to attend Christmas with my family. I was stunned when I heard her make the statement. I tried to talk to her, but she said that it was done. I called her unreasonable to decide to bail on the whole family over some stupid cookie sample, and it's just crazy and quite unreasonable. We had a full-on argument about it, and she stated that my mother caused this, but I told her that my mother is pretty serious and careful for all the food she offers to the guests, since we're going to be having relatives come over from all sides of the country. She told me to stop mentioning it. Later, I heard her cry despite me telling her that her baking is amazing and that people have preferences and that's all it is. Am I the a-hole for insisting that her decision was unreasonable? So there's some info that was added here, so I'm going to read it before I provide my assessment. But it says that if you're asking whose cookie samples made it to the menu, the answer was my sister and two of my cousins. He also added that, one, my wife wasn't the only one whose sample was rejected. We have sister-in-law's brother's wife and my younger sister's. My mother did not force anyone to participate. It was up to whoever who wanted to take part. Three, this is just about the dessert, since my mother tends to be very careful in this category, but not for other types of foods. Dishes, appetizers, salads, stuff like that is welcome, as she stated. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, I think that it's absolutely bizarre that this mother-in-law has created this like competition between all of the women in her family. I don't even know why it's only women who can participate. I'm pretty sure a man can also bake a cookie. Maybe not in her family, but I'm pretty sure a man can also bake a cookie. I don't, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Men, can you bake a cookie? I think you can. I think you can participate in this competition. But I think it's super weird that this mom has created this competition when, honestly, the guests would probably just be happy to get any dessert. Like if I went to a Christmas party and there was like multiple varieties of cookies and everyone was providing all these great desserts, I would be absolutely thrilled. Like I don't understand why there has to be this competition other than the fact that this mom wants to create some sort of control and division and competition amongst the women in her family. And maybe it makes her feel powerful, but like, what a weird thing to execute. And what a weird thing for these sons to support. I think that this woman is correct. I think that this mom is creating divide and is intentionally excluding her cookie sample. And also like, how sad that she spent all this time and effort baking these cookies for this woman who doesn't even appreciate it. This is a personalized message to OP's wife, but if you're baking cookies and you don't have a recipient for them, you just send them my way. I will eat the cookies. I will love the cookies. I will be so grateful. And honestly, I feel like 99.9% .9 of people would just be grateful that you were baking for them and they would be happy to eat a homemade cookie. So for this wife to be like, hey, I'm not going to attend the family event because I feel disrespected is an absolutely reasonable response. And I think that if this son wasn't a Raja Beta, and if you've been watching this podcast, you know about the Raja Beta syndrome, 
if this son wasn't emotionally attached to his mom, he would probably be able to see what his mom is doing here because it's crazy. And I really hope that he reads the Reddit comments and gets the opinion of the internet and apologizes to his wife because what his mom has been doing now for the third Christmas in a row is unacceptable and he needs to put a stop to it. There's an update, so I'm going to read that. It says, So I just got off the phone with my brother and he told me that his wife is doing the same thing as my wife and that she has decided to back out of the invitation to spend Christmas with my family as well. Turns out my wife must have told her about her decision and she decided to follow her lead. My brother is angry, saying my wife encouraged his wife to do this. I see that the problem has just gotten bigger now. Who knows? My younger sister might join in and decide not to go as well. I don't know how this got out of control so quickly. I guess we'll try to have a discussion with my mother about this soon and see how it goes. Yeah, I think like even worse than this mom trying to exert control over the woman in his family, the fact that there's this competition, the winners are announced, the losers are well known, it also creates a level of humiliation. Like this woman who clearly takes pride in her baking and her cookies has been rejected now for three years and like everybody knows about it and it's humiliating and the whole thing just sits so badly with me. And I feel like the fact that this wife is not going to the party is probably because this is not the first instance of humiliation. Like moms who are like this are probably like this in other facets of life as well. And clearly you can see it's not just this son and this husband who is emotionally enmeshed with the brother. It seems to be a relationship dynamic that this mom has created with her other sons as well. And that's probably why this other wife has decided to follow suit. Honestly, like fight the system get out, cancel Christmas, do what you need to do. Stop the tradition and let these husbands see what's going on. I'm so I'm going to be checking out this user's profile to see if there's any comments or updates by this original poster. Okay, There are no updates, but there is a comment here. It says, okay, I'll defend my wife and tell my mother that she's being a bit harsh on her and unfair towards her baking skills, but that's it. I still can't really force my mother to include my wife's baking in the menu. I just don't get to make this call. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think this guy gets it at all. I don't think this post or the comments helped him. Like he was rated the a-hole unanimously. But this comment says that he's still trying to see his mother's perspective and doesn't see anything weird or wrong with this bizarre competition amongst the women that this mother has created. One thing he is right about, yeah, he can't force his mother to do something that she doesn't want to do. If his mother wants to have this competition and purposely exclude certain people and create this weird competition dynamic, she is welcome to do it. But what he does have the control to do is to support his wife and to say, I don't want to participate in this. Like you can have this weird competition, but I'm outie. That he has control over, but he's choosing not to do that because he's like, oh, that's just how my mom is. That's just how she always has been. Why is this such a big deal to you when it's clearly a big deal to her. So support your wife. And like, if you're listening to my response on the story and you're like, what is she talking about emotional enmeshment? Check out my episode on the Raja Beta syndrome. We go through some stories there. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. And it's clear that the Raja Beta syndrome and this emotional enmeshment between mom and son extend beyond the Desi community. So final story. This one was actually just posted three days ago. The other stories were like Reddit Hall of Famers. They were all from like last year, the year prior. This one is very recent, so let's check it out and see what's going on this year in people's homes for the holidays. Am I the a-hole for freaking out at my husband's thoughtful gift? In quotations. Yesterday was my birthday. My husband was getting on my case recently about buying too many peppermint mocha lattes from Starbucks. For two days before my birthday, he is hyping up this gift he will give me first thing in the morning. So he surprised me with a homemade peppermint mocha latte that he made. The twist is, he made it with essential oils that some random lady at a health food store assured him was okay. I have a panic attack after he tells me he fed me essential oils. I felt enraged and I hated that when I looked on the essential oil bottle, it clearly stated that it was for use in a humidifier. He didn't even read the bottle before deciding to make the sweet gesture with it. I have never been interested in essential oils, so he has no reason to think I would want to ingest this. He said that he isn't the a-hole, because how could he know that the shopkeeper would lie? Am I the a-hole for blowing up and telling him I'm so disappointed? Update, poison control said I will be fine and it's probably the panic attack that messed my stomach up. He brought the food safe peppermint so he can redo the drink safely now. He will not be making me any more essential oil drinks ever. Ooh. First of all, I would love to get your opinion here because 
if my husband was like, you know, you should be super excited about your birthday morning. I have this great surprise for you. And I know he's been complaining about these peppermint mocha lattes. I would have probably expected him to not just make me one coffee. Like maybe he could have gotten you like a latte station with like the mix and, you know, the Keurig K-cups or whatever, like something to make the lattes at home. Or maybe he could have made the latte and given it to you with breakfast and set up a special day for you. Like I feel like just making you one coffee and I would love to know if I'm just being like super needy and greedy here and if that is actually a very thoughtful gift because I just feel like it's so basic. But anyways, if this husband was excited because he did this research and he found a great recipe and he was going to make it, sure. But it seems like the husband didn't even do that because if you Google recipe for peppermint mocha latte or you know, dupe recipe for Starbucks peppermint mocha latte, which this year there is so many of because of the Starbucks boycott people are trying to duplicate their favorite drinks all over the internet he could have literally found any recipe gone to the store gotten the ingredients and followed the recipe like it shouldn't be that hard to figure out how to make one fancy cup of coffee with all of the ingredients in hand and then and then if you ask the shopkeeper like hey i can't find the peppermint syrup or i can't find the coffee mixers or whatever that would make sense but it seems like this guy literally went to some random sketcho store or maybe he talked to an MLM person who was selling you know essential oils and if you haven't listened to my MLM episode I feel like we're like wrapping up all the topics but so MLMs are these sketchy business models you can listen to the full episode if you want a deep dive but a couple of MLM but a couple of these multi-level marketing companies have come under scrutiny because the people who are selling products like essential oils which are made for humidifiers are marketing them as things that can be ingested to solve health problems in children and there have been like legal cases and stuff about this so either he talked to some MLM person or he went to the market completely blind and was like where can I find peppermint and some lady was like here's an essential oil and just like tried to create this recipe from scratch like he probably made it harder on himself than he needed to and I hate to see that level of weaponized incompetence to be like oh I tried to make a coffee but it was too hard because I couldn't use google like I'm pretty sure he's capable of figuring out how to make one coffee so I think that first of all it wasn't even a good gift to begin with and then second of all you literally poisoned her And then the husband, to top it all off, got annoyed that she was upset about it and she had a panic attack. Like, that's a very reasonable panic attack to be like, why did you poison me? And sometimes you just want to shake men and be like, can you just think when it comes to these like household tasks? And this is one of those moments. I just want to shake him and be like, why didn't you just think? Like a little bit of thinking could have solved your wife from a panic attack and you didn't have to ruin her whole birthday over it. Like, this is terrible. So the top comment here says, Dear Opie's husband, I'm glad you thought for a single second or Googled you would have found that you could buy peppermint syrup. Non-food grade essential oils are toxic in large quantities. Get over yourself and stop accidentally poisoning your wife. So the original poster Opie responded and said, this is the most unattractive part of the gift. Why do people think they're too good to Google stuff? Yes, I'm all about this. Like I even feel like when I'm driving and people are like, oh, I don't need to use Google Maps and then they get stuck in like crippling traffic. It's like, well, we have the technology like you're not better than Google. Let's just use Google and, you know, get there fastest or whatever. It's super unattractive to me too, OP. Another top comment says, he didn't have to question the shopkeeper. Those oils wouldn't have even been in the food aisle, which should make him think that they're not food. It's not that hard, not the a-hole. The OP's response says that he claims that the oils were next to the vanilla extract. Yeah, there is no way that the oils were next to the vanilla extract. Maybe he's talking about some vanilla scented essential oil or he was at some craft market or something weird was going on because this OP is definitely lying. He just did some shady stuff, didn't think it through, and he's trying to get credit for something he didn't do. He's trying to get credit for giving a thoughtful, good gift. And that was not it, OP's husband. It was just not. And that is it, the end of my epic 10-story holiday episode, but also the end of an epic run of a first amazing season of Masala Takes. It's kind of bittersweet. I know that my life is about to change so much right now, and I know that I am not going to be able to do this, at least for a little while. And I had so much fun doing this today. Like, it's 11 p.m. here. It's clearly nighttime. It is not a regular daytime recording. I am working overtime and sleeping late to make this happen, and I couldn't be happier. Like, It's just so nice as an adult and as a mom to make time to do things for yourself. 
And I really, really hope once we get into a routine with like going back to work and toddlerhood and all of that stuff that I can continue to make these little moments to do stuff for myself because after a couple of weeks that have been really emotionally hard, I am feeling full. My cup is feeling a little bit full right now. I hope all of you have a magical holiday season, a magical Christmas, a magical New Year, and I hope, I truly hope that I will see all of you in the New Year with another episode of Masala Takes. But until then, I am signing out. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for all of your support. I really appreciate all of you. And I really appreciate the community that I have in my personal life and the community that I have built online. And because I don't want to close things off permanently, I'm going to end this episode like I end all my episodes. So I will see you next time with another episode of Masala Takes. Bye.